Uncaged. Uncaged. A show celebrating thought leadership from today's top business leaders. The program provides a voice to amazing executives from around the globe who are shaping the world of business today and mapping the path to the world of commerce tomorrow. And now, please welcome our host, Bant Breen, as we begin another Uncaged episode. Today we are talking with Brian Finnerty. Hi, Brian. How are you doing? I'm very, very well. Brian, I'm excited to talk to you today. Uh, you know, Brian does a lot of different things, but they're all very much related to the world of sports uh, and giving back. And so we'll, we'll, we'll touch on all of the various businesses that, that he is involved in. Uh, but just to kind of highlight a couple of the key ones really right up front. Um, Brian is an investor uh, through a group called the Opportunity Seed Capital Group. Um, and through that, he is the CEO of, of organizations such as V1 Sports, the Galway Bay Apparel Company, and also the chief giving officer for the Opportunity Seed Foundation. Um, thank God he has a little bit of time today to chat with me <laughs> with all of those things going on. But Brian, I'm so happy to have the chance to chat with you. Um, before we get into some of the key things that you're working on with V1 and Galway Bay, as well as the Seed Foundation, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and your career today. Uh, well, you know, thanks for having me on the show. First and foremost, I'm excited to uh, spend some time with you here, and I'll try not to, <laughs> to get too long in the tooth on that one. Sure. Uh, I'm originally from Southern California, grew up out there, um, born and raised, now live in the wonderful state of Michigan, been here 30 years, I can't believe it's been that long, um, played soccer and all other sports growing up, I gravitated towards soccer in through the end of my high school career, got a chance to play at San Diego State uh, for the wow. Mighty Aztecs there, get a run at the national championship, which kind of opened my eyes to the bigger world of soccer. And I always dreamed of being a pro soccer player. So I was lucky enough that right out of college, I got drafted by San Diego. Uh, I'll say, unfortunately, it was the running joke. Two weeks later, I got traded to Detroit. Uh, we were owned by the Illich family that owns the Red Wings and the Tigers. And I got to play 10 years here in Detroit. So what at initially, you know, the onset was, oh, gosh, I'm going to Detroit. I could have been in San Diego. Right. Turned out to be an incredible career here with fantastic owners who treated us like family. We played our last season. When I say we, my wife and I were uh, married right after my second year. So there's got to be a sort of we behind that. Yeah. Um, played the last year in New York, which was great. And then uh, twin boys were born that year. So that was a good time to retire from pro soccer and getting paid to play a game. As you well know, is uh, it's a dream come true for sure, but it does end at some point in time. I'm reminding all of our young athletes today that it does end. And after that, I've always been a serial entrepreneur from a young age as a kid all the way through. So my wife and I opened up an indoor sports facility, staying closely connected to the game itself. And through that, and kind of a, maybe we'll get into some of these things, but just a, I think a different look on how we grow people and how we pour into their lives the old adage, when you chase your passion, the money will follow. I think our mm -hmm. story is exactly like that. So through that sports facility, we got introduced to other business owners and idea uh, makers, which was very cool. And we've invested in different companies and grown them over the last 20 years. Um, so it's been pretty fun. Been here rooted in Michigan, still get to travel quite a bit, which is great, get home to California. But by and large, we get to invest in 
mid-stage companies, so past the startup stage and <clears throat> kind of in cash flow neutral position with the position that, hey, we want to do something great, but maybe we don't have enough process or structure in place, or we just want to raise some capital and make sure we deploy it correctly. So I'd say that's kind of the sweet spot I'm at and the careers kind of follow that path along the way. That's that's amazing. I, you know, Brian, I uh, could probably talk to you for hours about soccer. I I um, was never a fan of soccer growing up as a child in in Chicago, and I was very much of a, a kid, but classic kind of American basketball kind of kid. But um, I married a Spaniard, and, oh and you know, being married <laughs> to a Spaniard, uh, the only sport in Spain that really matters is football or soccer. And my my kids obviously only care about soccer and so as a as a as an adult I found that I am a soccer fan I and that is the sport that that's the only sport now that I follow so <laughs> I well, know you want to stay married <laughs> yeah I, I, I know far too much about you know how how Sevilla's season ended or you know you know who who qualified for the Champions League than I ever thought I would know and the fact that I even know these things as an American but <laughs> um, that's fantastic it, it proves the growth of the game right I mean whether it's by forced nature that your wife probably held that over your head uh, if you ever want to uh, have a happy marriage you've got a root for football so that's one side of it. But then there's also the generations that have grown up with it. You know, I was at the, the first sort of wave of that. And now I've got twin boys that are 20, one playing at University of Michigan, one playing at Caltech. Wow. And uh, and the tradition continues, which is very cool. So, yeah, whether you're forced into it and know everything about uh, Sevilla or Real or whoever it might be, uh, yeah. Yeah, follow lots of, lots of good things about it for sure. I, I, I love it. Well, so tell me, uh, tell me, Brian, what are you working on now? What's what's taking up the, the bulk of your time? Uh, good question. So, you know, V1 uh, in the host of things that you mentioned. So through Opportunity Seed um, Capital, maybe I'll start a little bit there. Opportunity Seed Capital was really formed out of uh, a sale of a business. We had a cell phone insurance company, nowhere near connected to sports, but connected very much to tech. And I realized after the sale of that company that I no longer wanted to be in anything that wasn't directly connected to sports. So it was a really good lesson to learn. Uh, it was a very financially fruitful business to build and sell. We sold to a publicly traded insurance company. And through the sale of that company, my wife and I started Opportunity Seed Foundation, which was really geared towards what we thought at the time. And I'm saying this laughing because it, it sounds funny now, but it didn't then. We were going to alleviate the pay-to-play sports conundrum in the country. And then regardless of how much money you have, you realize that doesn't get solved at a country level. Okay, let's look at a region. And then let's look at our state. And let's look at Southeast Michigan, and then let's focus on Oakland County. So yeah. we very quickly realized that it, it's a large um, issue. I won't say it's a problem because there we do see solutions to that. And for the first year I ran the foundation, so I was the CEO, not the chief giving officer. And uh, after a year of writing checks, giving money away, my wife very wisely said, you're fired. Um, you're no longer doing that job because you're terrible at it. You don't have any process, much like you used in business. You have no accountabilities, which you used to use in business. And the fund, which we don't raise outside money for, is dwindling with nothing coming back in. Mm -hmm. Why don't you go back out and invest in companies, and we'll call it Opportunity Seed Capital, 
and everything that gets sold out of Opportunity Seed Capital, whatever those companies, or if there's positive cash flow, we will take 100% of that and pour back into the foundation. You go do what you do best, and my wife does what she does best, and that's actually put process behind a civic organization. So she helps run the foundation, really, the head cheese. Mm-hmm. My job is to go out and invest, and through those investments, V1, Galway Bay, and a host of other sort of sports and sports tech-related companies. And V1 Sports is really my, it's the office I'm sitting in today. Yeah. Uh, I spend the, the lion's share of my time, both passionately and the fact that we're the, the managing partners of the company, both in ownership position and through the funds that we've raised. So, you know, it's great to be at this, this sort of center point of video technology, which V1 has been known for for 25 years. And this new wave of technology, which really says, what can we capture out of video and then overlay and use to become better athletes. And so I think if you look at where I spend the most of my time, as you can tell from the tenor of my voice, it's pretty exciting and not just limited to golf, even though that's our focus. So we're golf and baseball focused, uh, but tennis certainly, as you well know, uh, yep. we're a big uh, technology provider for IMG, among other uh, Boletaria academies, et cetera. We find a really good fit in any place that uses a stick, a club, a racket, lacrosse, hockey, golf, tennis. Uh, it's a really good uh, problem to solve, if you will. So yeah, excited to kind of sit in that seat and and bring a new flavor on a 25-year-old company that gets to act like a startup. So that's been fun. So V1 really focuses on using video and connecting it in with kind of, I guess, motion capture for training. Um, is, is that fair to say? It is. I, I think that's the roots of our company. So if you look at 25 years of doing it, whether that's watching golf on TV on a Sunday and seeing that, you know, is the left arm straight? and What's the trajectory of the golf ball? You can look at those sort of telestration overlays and say, yeah, that's that's the core business. But then uh, I took over as acting CEO three years ago with this idea that we know that in, in golf and I think tennis and baseball are actually very similarly aligned, only about 15 percent, one five percent of the entire population, I'll stick to golf, ever take lessons in a single year. So if you or I took one golf lesson, we'd be in the 15% category. That leaves 85% of the market that is out there trying to figure it out on their own, DIYers. And so um, I knew this through soccer. I'm sure you knew this through tennis, that we can only learn so much without having a coach, without having some feedback, whether it's self-captured video, so we really wanted to help point the company, not just to the teaching pros, but also to those consumers who are out there searching YouTube and Instagram, you know, like mad every day and trying to find a succinct way for them to gather data. So we know that they want to practice. And we also know that they do go play these games called golf. And how do you track your stats around the golf course without having to clip something on your club, without having to tap a phone every time? And so th- what we're building and where we're going is taking all that data of how you play the game turning it into actionable practice, and then saying, if you want to see a pro, that's awesome. And if you don't, rinse, wash, repeat again. So it's been super exciting to kind of look at and maybe change the way we we learn a sport. And, you know, baseball is very similar, golf and baseball the same, that we can take that data and make it actionable. Um, and that's the key, right? There's a lot of data out there, but when you can make it actionable and say, here's how you go practice. So you're not just banging hundred golf balls or getting in the cage and taking 60 rips at a baseball here are the things you want to work on and they're specific to how you played the game the day or week before suddenly the learning happens very quick. So it's been exciting. I love that idea. And I think that uh, anything that can um, utilize your own motion, your own, and, and perhaps kind of look how you're doing things and you can capture that and then overlay that with a learning process. 
I mean, I, I, it almost could be applied to any sport, obviously, right. but ma- even many other things. Um, <laughs> uh, even even yoga. I feel like uh, if uh, <laughs> you know, being dragged to a yoga class by my wife and realizing uh, I could never do this stuff, and I probably <laughs> probably need your product applied to that as well. But uh, that's 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 great. I I would say that uh, video has had such an impact uh, on sports in general and clearly you guys are one of the building blocks of that that broader movement how would you say you think you think it's going to evolve over the next over the next year i'm just curious to kind of see what what are the main trends in this space uh you know it's interesting so given i'll I'll take my personal um interest on this which is i'm typically the salmon swimming upstream so i'm not a you know, follow the herd over to one side of the school yeah. of fish. Um, I truly believe, and you might know this as a tennis player or feel this anyway, that video, we know that somewhere between 65 and 70%, 72% of people are visual learners. Um, I also know having played pro soccer at a high level, that anytime someone put markers, a vest, some other device on my body, especially if it was hardwired to a computer, I, I my actions were different than I was doing it in real life, right? Or real game situation. So when I look at this, there are two camps of thought. One is let's put a lot of markers on people so we could tell with you know 85 to 90% accuracy how the golf swing is, how the baseball swing, what does the tennis forehand look like? And it's it's you can create that avatar, avatar with pretty good um, consistency. The challenge is, are you really playing and acting in the game as though you would? And I, my answer is no, I don't think it is. Mm. So I can live with 90% of non-markered video capture technology that still creates an avatar, right? Where do your muscular skeletal system, how does it move? Oh, your elbows out in front of your arm in a tennis, uh, in a a forehand, is that the correct move or not? And how do we fix that? Well, I can't always see that in video, but I can with the help of vision technology through AI. So I think that's where the next year is honestly going to go, is how do we use video with uh, the ability to, to monitor where our hinge points are in our body and then apply that to what is actually happening in the sport we play, insert sport here, right? Baseball, golf, tennis, whatever. Um, that to me is when it becomes actionable because then we can see if there's corrective action. If you go hit a bunch of backhands um, and then either through learning on, on our network, right? On, we call it V1 TV, you see a bunch of content and you fix that through repetition. The next time you put yourself on video and look at AI, you'd say, wow, my elbow is back or my shoulders are more level or more tilted, whatever you're looking for. There's corrective action. And then ultimately, we're about a year away from uh, launching this. But through that platform, it should then be, you think about Pandora or Spotify, it starts to learn what music you like, right? You don't get your, would you like to play last month's favorite list? Well, you didn't favorite everything. It just knew that you played it. If you're like me on a golf course, I'm playing a lot of really, um, I'll say, easy to listen to music. I'm not playing hard rock like I would when I'm in the gym at CrossFit. So Oddly enough, it knows that about me. And I think the same thing goes in sports learning when it starts to learn that the golf ball is in V1 games, seeing it go right. It's looking at my practice swing. It's looking at how my body is moving. It's saying all those things for right-handed golfer tilting in this direction. We're going to serve you some content, much like songs that would all, you know, you look whatever, go, oh my gosh, how to fix a slice. That's exactly what I was thinking. Well, it's not 
you know, earth shattering, but it is yeah. in the world of sport where I'm not out there just searching everything. So, so I feel like this product would have been what I needed to be utilizing during the pandemic. I'd just be curious how 2020 uh, shaped out for you guys. Did you find a lot of people trying to use video <laughs> at home? I mean, we, we couldn't go anywhere. So it seemed like the only thing we could have been doing. Yeah, I, I, I will, you know, my, my smile is uh, guarded, right? Because it's harder to, to use the pandemic and not understand all the, the negative impact that has happened around the planet with that. Mm. Uh, however, and but at the same time, through challenges, we see innovation. That's been over the course of history. It has always been like that. Whether that's an awakening, like to your point, I've got nothing but time on my hand and I'm not going to work every day. Maybe I can go practice my golf swing in the backyard or my tennis or baseball or whatever. Um, but then we were doing a lot of this, right? The number of Zoom meetings we had and GoTo meetings and Google Meets and suddenly changed that golf pros were saying, hey, maybe I can give you a lesson because you can't come into my studio today. Well, gosh, that is a technology we've had in place for eight years and we've been screaming from the rooftops about it. Oddly enough, the pandemic put it front and center and said, this actually is a necessity, not a nice to have. So it changed things for us. And you know, not to, not to go into a next topic, but I do say that uh, as, as leaders of our companies, it's really important. What we'd say at V1 is all boats have risen with the tide. Golf right. is up, sports activity is up. Um, people's willingness to try new things, including video is up, but that will also settle. And if we believe that all the success is due to us and we're pounding our chest saying, oh, awesome, V1, we're so great. And we're not paying attention to what that settling looks like, then we're missing the opportunity. So the spike's been great. It has brought us front and center. Uh, but for us, really, it's about, hey, that's awesome. And, and it's about what ne what's next. When we yeah. meaningfully settle into the market, uh, let's not be caught by surprise, right? Because when the tide goes out, you know who doesn't have a bathing suit on and um, we're not going to be one of them, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, no, you're absolutely right. You got to be planning for the next next uh, elements for sure. But I, I, I would be curious, just as a company operating through the pandemic, how did it change things for, for the company and the culture and um, kind of how you ran the day to day? Uh, boy, I mean, yeah, I, there's a couple of topics that are shows in themselves at 53. Yeah. I'd love to tell you that I was fully embracing the work from home environment and, you know, couldn't wait to see everybody log in at home. Uh, I, I'd be lying through my teeth if that wasn't true. We spent a lot of time <laughs> on our culture, um, you know, sort of John Gordon and John Maxwell and, um, Collins and a lot of Lencioni, a lot of these guys, it's really about linking arms with the people and, and creating good conflict that's not resolved over a screen, resolved over a cup of coffee or maybe a beer after work. Yeah. Um, we love that. And we know that that's how it works in sport, right? In sport, you may argue with a teammate, you may be arguing with, you know, a coach and, and having this good banter, iron sharpens iron. Yeah. But then what happens when you step outside the lines? Because if, if that's all you are as a person, then it's a short-lived success, but when you can get across the line, whether it's a tennis court or, or a soccer field and then link arms with somebody and say, but we're all fighting together for the same thing, right? Much yeah. like you would with a doubles partner as we would with our, with our teams. So my long answer to that is I love the camaraderie we have in the office. And it was a really big challenge for me personally, as a leader yeah. to embrace that. Um, on the flip side, our team was unbelievable team zoom calls twice a week we got you know 35 people sitting in little tiny squares um 
but making small groups and breakouts and how are they getting together on their weekly level 10, we call them level 10 meetings, all on Zoom, everybody in screen, um, no black screens with mute on. I, I didn't set those rules. That was our team. And when we started to come back to work, it was, hey, do we abandon this? And yeah. Universally, it was, no, we don't. We still keep this cadence going. So hats off to the team for making that happen because they're teaching this old dog that there are definitely some new ways to get it done. And, you know, it's just been exciting to see just the personal innovation that's happening. It's been great. Yeah, I, I think that that um, kind of almost like a personal challenge or conflict that you had is almost what everyone felt, right? I mean, the connect, the human connection that everyone lost during this pandemic was, was really, it, it was such a powerful feeling. But that being said, a lot of businesses such as yours uh, succeeded and grew a lot during the pandemic. And as, as, as they were operating in a virtual or at least partially virtual structure. So it's, it's been a fascinating, a fascinating moment. I'm, I'm, I'm curious now that uh, things are, are improving. Is there a rush back to the office or is the, is it back to the old way or, you know, really do you think the new ways will stick around? Uh, That's a great question because for me, it's, um, a, a, a desire to go back to the old way. And mm. I do not embrace the word hybrid mm. um, because I think just combining two other ways isn't really hybrid. I, what we were talking, literally we've been talking about this last week and a half here as Michigan has then said uh, really about the middle of June, we can, we can start to come back to work in an official capacity yeah. in the state. Um, there is a new way that work is going to happen. And so for us, we're in that discovery process that um, it won't be like it was. We know that for sure. It's reshaped how our environment is here physically. And then how have our teams worked really well together in a remote setting? And then what's been missing from the personal get togethers. And that's just discovery for us right now. So we're under the gun. We've involved a, a person from every team to then be the voice of their team that you know, bring the, it's best idea wins. So let's really come up with you what know, works it, for it's us. It's so fascinating what you just outlined <laughs> about your corporate culture, because I would say I haven't heard that before, but I, I think it's quite a powerful construct that you're outlining, which is the, the importance of, it, it's all, uh, the way I would have described it perhaps would be that it's the conflict that you have within a family but like when that family looks out to, towards the world, they're like, they show their unity, but inside yeah. the family, there has to be that tension because that's what makes you better. Right. It's just, and, and, and that's that, but how you replicate that in a way that's healthy in a virtual, in a virtual environment. Wow. That's tough. It's so much easier to do it, you know, when you're face to face. No, I, I think that's a really interesting challenge. It, it is. So, you know, we, one of the things we do, I, I'm part of the hiring process for every one of the people we hire, have done that in my other companies, you know, built, sold, uh, merged, whatever, because I want whoever joins our team to hear from me what the culture is going to be about and ask any questions they want. And I talk about conflict. Yeah. And as you'd imagine, there are some really good candidates we get when I talk about what I think conflict is. The next phone call that 
whatever department's hiring them is thanks, but no thanks. Yeah. And I get that. Hey, thanks a lot, jerk. I mean, we had like, this guy was a, a nine out of 10. I go, I know, but when he or she was going to get here and be in this environment uh, and, and conflict isn't fighting, right? Conflict no. isn't um, yeah. without resolution, but I do know as an athlete, high performing teams work best when I can say, you know, someone standing in front of the net, just give me the effing ball. Yeah. I'm not going to say, hey, you know, Bant, if you wouldn't mind if you get around it, if you kind of pick your head up and I'm kind of wide open over here, but, you know, take your time. And as long as it's not in position to you and you're not trying to get another, you know, goal yourself, if you could pass me the ball, that doesn't work, <laughs> right? It's no, give it me doesn't. the ball. Exactly. You, know, you jump in front of your tennis partner in doubles and you crush it over the net for the point. He doesn't say, I wish I could have done that. So right. we know that that conflict comes with, pace and meaning and again following our north star so if we do have the conflict but we're under the idea that best idea wins it's not a unanimous yes we never get to unanimous yes i want contrarian thinking it is very hard to replicate because even you and i are just talking here if we had two other people that you said you've got to talk for 15 seconds in our next 10 minutes it's disruptive it just is in a real environment you could read someone's body language and they're sitting up in their chair looking like they're ready to talk, we'd take a pause and we'd defer to them, right? That doesn't happen in Zoom or go to whatever. So that part we are looking forward to that really, you know, when we're around a table, um, we're going to have some meaningful stuff, but it's, again, it's rooted in our culture. So people know that that's healthy, leaving conflict unresolved, very, very unhealthy. So there has to be this. I I actually, I mean, I'm listening to it. I think it's a, just a brilliant, brilliant, uh, I, I, point to raise i think that that's a very healthy thing for companies to be able to 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 have um i i think it's also kind of one of the things that when you hear about a lot of companies talk today they're almost they're almost anti-conflict right and 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 and, and i and and i think that that's i think you've raised a great point which is it's true when you grow up and you're 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 playing in something like a competitive sport that conflict makes you champions. That is what makes the team better, right? It is so critical yeah. to have that, right? And it drives you crazy at times, but it's so important, right? It's so yeah. critical. So I think it's, it's clearly what's made the team that you have better. So tell me, as you're looking forward for the next year, what, what, what excites you? What, what's promising? Where, where, where are the, where are the, the golden shoots? Man, um, me, me personally, I think it's leveraging data. Um, I know that one is definitely, you know, sort of an overused hot, to- hot topic right now. We are very specific about data. And I said this before, it has got to be actionable. So data for data collection's sake, um, okay to do if we're going to park it and we say we might need that later. I'm, a, I'm actually a big fan of that. We don't even know what we're going to do with this thing yet. Cool, collect it and park it. But if we can't take action on it, and um, I think my wife would appreciate this or she might throw it on me later, but if I can't, ex- we call it the, the sports center version. If I can't explain it to Denise in 22 seconds, which is my sports center version, if she gives me the like deer in the headlights look or the tilted head, it's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Not actionable, right? It has gotta be so simple, right? That my wife plays a little bit of golf. She's actually a really good tennis player never played softball or baseball in her life. If I can't explain it to her and say, Hey, if you had a baseball bat in your hand and you're going to go do this, she goes, Oh, I get that. I think we're on the right track. So using data 
through video, through inputs, whatever it is, taking all that mass. And if we can distill it down to something actionable, I say for our team and our culture, we're on the right path. If we cannot take action, it's not part of our North Star, which we're empowering coaches to be their best with their athletes. There's a two sides to that. We're connecting those two pieces. So if it's not actionable, what use is it to a coach? And if I don't get better as an athlete, what use is it to me? That's our North Star. Park it, good idea, we'll figure it out later. But if you can take action on it, next 12 months, let's go. <laughs> it's yeah, going to be awesome. I, I hear you. You know, the, the challenge I think on the data front is that a lot of times people just collect endless reams of data. And yeah. uh, that the, the, the collection of the data seems to be almost like the goal in and of itself. And it, and it does require someone to say, well, what is actually useful here? Um, well, that's uh, the thinking. Yeah. You're right on. Because the market is telling us, go collect data, right? That is the, that's the currency of tomorrow. Forget crypto for a second, right? It's the currency of tomorrow. Um, I'm like, that would be like somebody going, collect stones in your backyard. One of them might be a diamond. That's, that is actual currency. I got you. But one of them could be a Petoskey stone river rock that has less weight than its actual physical weight. It's pretty. What the hell can you do with it? So yeah, we're, we're, we have to be mindful that just because the market says, go collect data, it's really important. We have to come into our culture and say, but is it important to the people? Is it important to our customers? Because it might be like cool and sexy to us, but if a coach and an athlete can't use it, honestly, like who cares? Yeah, I hear you. Well, Brian, um, it's been great talking to you. Uh, we've been talking to Brian Finnerty today. Uh, he is the CEO and founder of many companies. Uh, we've been spoke, speaking mostly about uh, his role as CEO at V1 Sports. Next time we'll have to talk about some of the other operations. He's also the, <laughs> the uh, investor behind the Opportunity Seed Capital Group, which uh, plays a big role in supporting uh, sports endeavors as well as driving the Opportunity Seed Foundation. Um, Brian, it's been an incredible conversation. I, I think that there's some key learnings here on, on some of the challenges that we have to face in terms of what, what we can do physically together as a business, what we can't, um, and then also the opportunities that uh, your company presents in delivering very powerful data-driven video solutions uh, in the sports space, which seem almost endless. I never want to use your, your product for my own golf stroke because that would be a frightening exercise. But, <laughs> but for everything else, I think it's great. Brian, if, if anyone wanted to, to uh, find out more about what V1 and some of your other operations are up to, where should they go? Yeah, a couple of places. So V1 is easy. It's V1, like uh, Victory One, V1sports.com. Very simple. Uh, you can find me there too. Or opportunityseed.com uh, is where you can find me and, and find out more about the foundation, uh, how we've put together a plan for others that want to use good in business to do great in community. Uh, you'll see a little tag for Mission 321 and how you break 3% of your profits down every year, give your employees 2% of their time back every year and 1% of our giving both time and money into our local communities. It's kind of a cool little recipe. Um, so yeah, Brian at uh, v1sports.com or Brian at opportunityseed.com. They can find me there personally and email too. 
Excellent. Well, listen, Brian, thank you so much for the time today. Brian Finnerty is the CEO of V1 Sports, the Chief Giving Officer of the Opportunity Seed Foundation, the CEO and Managing Partner of Galway Bay Apparel, and many, many other operations. Uh, Brian, thank you so much for your time. Brian's been our guest today on Uncage, which is a program that provides a voice to amazing executives from around the globe who are shaping the world of business today and mapping the path to the commerce of tomorrow. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. Cheers.